0: Poetically Proven Podcast. Marketing and poetry join forces. Hello, everyone, Um, and welcome to the first episode of the Poetically Proven podcast, which aims to bring together poetry and marketing. So I'm Claire Trevian, and our first guest uh, is Janet Lees, who is a poet, copywriter, branding expert, and has many other hats beyond that as well. Um, I first came across Janet on an online poetry school course that I was teaching, which was all about um, the sea. Essentially, and uh, Janet created some really fabulous poems. I mean, I think you'd agree with me, Janet, that it was a pretty strong crop of poets. Anyway, that that um, that particular course, but yeah, yours did really stand out. And I remember the mapping Heisek's Island one in particular, which then went on to have quite a lot of success, including placing third in Bristol Poetry Prize. And I hear that Janet will be reading it later for us, which is fantastic. Um, as well as publishing her poetry in various excellent places, which include uh, Magma and Aesthetica and The Missing Slate, Janet is also the creator of several video poems, which have been selected for numerous festivals. And as well as all of this, Janet's been a freelance copywriter for over two decades and is the joint founder with her partner, Terry, of Human London, a branding agency that works across all types of communications. So welcome, Janet. Hi, Claire. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. So it's really great to have you on here. So um, as you heard, I tried uh, to describe Human London, but I'd really love to hear in your own
1: words, how you would describe it. Um, And thanks for that brilliant intro, by the way, that was so concise and just got everything in. Um, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Terry and I've worked together for actually about 25 years. Um, We met when we were recruited separately to work as a creative team. We were, it was the Burton Group, um, which is now Arcadia. So that's Top Shop um, Dorothy Perkins, Evans, all those high street stores. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, recruited as the group art director and I was the group copywriter and, uh, we hit it off straight away. Um, but we've actually been independent since 1994 now, um, working with clients. We, we started out working a lot in fashion and high street fashion and retail. Um, but we've moved more into, um, sustainability because we did the, um, the Marks and Spencer's Plan A campaign, uh, which was a really fantastic thing to work on. We did that for several years. And so we've gone on to do quite a lot of sustainability work with other clients as well, and lots of work with charities. Um, and we've moved really more mm. into, I think, where our strength is, is in Uh, working with the brand so clients will typically appoint us to um, have a look at their brand maybe refresh it or even create it and then uh, make sure that that brand voice kind of sings through beautifully on all the communications so that involves like the photography style the copy um, any other imagery the look of it the design everything you know so yeah it's really great
0: Mm. No, I love that. I was reading your your blog post on um, Human London where you are talking about branding and the humanity of branding and how you, you know, you involve uh, everybody really in the business, you know, sort of, and that phrase that you said, which is your brand is your shared voice there to stand up for you when you're not around to stand up for yourself. Just love that idea of the brand talking behind your back and all of that. Um, how, how difficult is that to achieve really to try and get a unified brand sorry that's a bit of a
1: vague big no, question that's fine it's a really good question actually because it is it seems simple when you get it right I think and a lot of people don't get it right and I think the reason there's a lot of jargon talked about branding and there's lots of diagrams and blah 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 you know and all that stuff but really what it comes down to and we've always believed this and this is the way we've always worked because it's kind of the way we are um you know, a brand, a company, it's just people. It's a group of people. And I think it was Wally Owens who said that brand is a tribe. And we we kind of use that because we think that's great. Because it is, it's about it's about a very particular group, tribe of people. And it's like how they dress, how they talk, how they the kind of personalities they are. So when we work with a client, we always start we insist on getting to know them, you know, really, really well. So we, we really like to meet everybody we can in the company. Obviously it was a huge company. We can't do that, but we can meet, you know, we can meet at least 20 people say, or we can talk to them over the phone and that's the way we approach it. So we start mm. by really getting inside their heads, but also inside their hearts because that's so important. And there's a lot talk nowadays about purpose. It's been several years now, really the why of a company rather than just the what <clears throat> and the how and so we we do a lot of work around purpose. It's like you know, what? Why are we here? Why do we get out of bed in the morning, come to work? Um, you know, what does that mean for you? Uh, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. Mm. It's, it is very human, you know. That's what it all comes down to.
0: Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's really beautiful because it's it's impossible really to separate the sort of the professional from the human in many ways, and I think some people try and separate them and it just really doesn't no. work i mean we've had the great
1: privilege actually of working recently with um a management consultancy called egremont group we we help them to rebrand and we're doing all their communications with them and um that, that's that's the way they approach their work they're they're a very different kind of management consultant they're very they're, they're about people and they're really about you know supporting mm. and helping people to be authentic bring their real selves to work you know so it's a great fit between us we work really well together um so i one of the you know one of the clients there she talks about um she does a lot of leadership work and she talks about you know t- uh, taking off your competency suit and bringing your real self to work which i really like i think that's a lovely thought
0: hmm yeah <laughs> that is really lovely um Okay. Kind of related a little bit um, to this. So I, I shared with you that article about broetry uh, on LinkedIn. Um, for those uh, listeners who haven't come across this term yet, um, I mean by that, that trend for um, sort of semi inspirational statuses that are often really double spaced and a little clickbaity, but there's a sort of a bit of a performance of authenticity almost, I suppose, in them, a sort of trying uh, very hard to be. I don't know, an authentic self or an idea of an authentic self, I suppose, in a lot of those uh, statuses. Um, yeah, so I was wondering, what what do you think about
1: broad? I wasn't <laughs> even aware of it, Claire, until you pointed it out, to me, which shows how well I'm <laughs> up with trends. But uh, but it's really interesting, actually. And it's funny, because, I, I mean, I was writing copy like that, like 20 years ago. Uh, you know, we we'd sort of just got into that habit of, and certainly when we were doing the Plan A campaign, we did quite a few pieces that were like that. They were kind of they were almost poetry really. And um, and that was, it was lovely Mm. to work on. And it just happened that way. It wasn't sort of deliberate. It just happened that way because it felt like a really momentous thing. But I was looking at the poetry and reading about it and it's, um, it's just seems to be tied up with so many other things and other trends really to me. I mean, obviously, you know, we're all aware of those like maddening kind of, there was, you know, affirmations, which are like, you know, I am lovely and I love myself and everything in my world is wonderful, which I can't, I've never been able to stomach those because I can't believe in them, you know, they're not real. And uh, so there's that kind of thing. And and I think some of the Instagram poetry actually is a kind of backlash against that, against those sort of everything is perfect affirmations. People are kind of spilling mm-hmm. their guts on in Instagram poetry, which is which is more real in a way. Um, and, and I, you know, I was reading the article you sent and he says, it's really important to include a personal story and to be vulnerable. And I think those are both examples of much larger trends in business as well. Um, I, I've read quite a lot of books by Brené mm. Brown, who is a, I think she's a, she was started as a social researcher. That That's really what she is. But she's become massively popular. She had a TED Talk on shame and she did a TED talk on vulnerability, which was it just went off the scale. And then she did a TED talk on shame, things that are not normally ever talked about in business. And uh, and then I read her book Rising Strong recently, which was about uh failure really, and but embracing failure in an authentic way, not just saying we failed, but it made us stronger, mm. which kind of glosses over the actual experience, but on being with that, you know, when you're face down in the dirt. Which I thought you know it's really interesting, and it was a great book actually, um so it's kind of it reflects mm. that I think as well, and this idea of a purpose and everything is becoming more human, but in at the same time, obviously when that happens, there's an awful lot of imitation that just isn't real, it's like greenwash, you know um mm. it's kind of and it, it and it and it becomes intensely irritating because everybody jumps on the bandwagon. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, definitely,
1: yeah,
0: that's so um interesting, actually, what you were saying when comparing it with Instagram, and how you you get the sense that with a lot of Instagram poetry, then it's a bit more um sort of raw, shows a bit more the the underbelly, I suppose of that sort of facade. Um, Because my first instinct, which was maybe a bit cynical of me when I was seeing those broetry examples, is that it did remind me of those yeah. you know, terrible inspirational yeah. quotes that you see on Instagram as well. So, I mean, obviously Instagram is a very broad church and there is a bit of everything there and there's the inspirational guff and then there's, you know better stuff Um, and it was making me uh, wonder what your thoughts are on Instagram poets in general I mean (laughs) I'm air quoting them which you can't see obviously as if they're kind of a, a specific genre rather than you know it's a choice of a platform really that you know some poets prefer to publish on but they really do seem to divide people there's a lot of people who are keen to just you know Dismiss them all in one swoop, and others who really love what they're doing. And I was wondering what you feel about them, especially as you're such a an active Instagram user. Yeah, with
1: Instagram, I tend to be. It's more. It's more for my visual work that I use Instagram, um, Mm. because it's given me a kind of platform for that, which is great. We'll talk about that anyway. But um, I don't know. I don't read a lot of Instagram poetry. I've read some, and occasionally I see some and I think, wow, that's the haiku. It's fantastic. And then, but there's an awful lot, as with the broetry, I'm sure, and that's happening in bro with the broetry trend. And he says, the guy who wrote that article says, you know, it's not it's not easy to write well like this. You know, it's not easy to make it effortless. Mm. As we know, it's not easy to write poetry. It's not. It's not easy to write good copy. It's not easy to write good poetry. And some of the Instagram poetry that I've seen is truly dreadful. I mean, it's full of spelling mistakes. Um, it's full of grammatical mistakes. Not that that's desperately important, but if you're going to put something out there, you want you want it to be right. Mm. You know, and and sometimes it really is bad. Um, yeah it's still publishing even if yeah and instagram. i think also but it, there's a hugely positive side to it which is it's you know poetry is cool with spoken word poetry and instagram mm. poetry and all of these kind of upsurges it's cool and it's also i think which is something else i've touched on um later on um it's giving women in particular a voice which i think is fantastic um, so mm-hmm. I think, you know, I can see both sides of the argument, really. Um, and I think there there are all mm-hmm. kinds of poetry for all kinds of people. And it's just great, really, that it is such a broad church and that it is, you know, making mm-hmm. poetry cool again, which is really good.
0: <laughs> and it's so democratic as yeah, well anybody can exactly. post something on instagram you don't don't need special yes, exactly. training you don't need, don't money, need to go through money.
1: you don't have to fight through the you know the publishing world and that the which yeah. is very male dominated <laughs> all of that stuff which i want to talk about a bit <laughs> later but exactly.
0: yeah sure sure <laughs> um it was interesting what you just said as well about um the sort of uh, simplicity, the perceived simplicity, you know, a bit like how when people go to an art gallery and they go, oh I could have yeah. done that, you know, or I could have written that and all of that sort of thing and, and as often happens with a lot of copywriting as well, they go, well that's so simple and they just don't, a lot of people just don't realise that it takes a lot of effort and time to get to that final version that is sometimes simple that simplicity yeah. is, is the difficult It's,
1: it's definitely true actually, and it's true of all it? the work we do, Terry and I it is very simple uh, because that's what works. Mm. People like clarity, and they like they like a lot of white space around things, and you know because it feels better. Um, but sometimes yeah. when you look at when you've been through a huge long process with a client, and you look at the final result, you think you, even we think to ourselves, how did it take so long to come to that, and how did it, you know, how did <laughs> we go through so much pain and kind of you know, uh, and it, it, but that's the way it is, and you know it's great that it. And it looks effortless and it feels effortless because uh, clarity is one mm-hmm. of our big, along with humanity, clarity is probably our second most mm. important wor- watchword, really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, as so we're kind of on the Instagram thing, I was going to um, chat to you a bit about your uh, personal Instagram account, which um, for anybody listening, uh, the handle is Janet Lees 2001. Um, you seem to just have this real knack for finding these unusual details around you. And even for places that I'm really familiar with, like I think you came to Oxford at one point and I was like, whoa, where did you find that? You know. Um, and I was just wondering about your, your process. Is this something that you just instinctively do as you go about your day or has it become more of a, a discipline, a sort of a thing that you timetable in a way? for yourself that's interesting it's a good question
1: because it's actually it's actually become (laughs) an obsession (laughs) and I cannot stop doing it it's like I just love it and I think what happened was many many years ago I went to art college and I um I studied I started off studying textile design as my degree um and I then I left after the I transferred after the first year and I went on to do photography and writing so I did a split course between visual art and writing and specialized really in photography and poetry And, um, Mm. but I, the, the pictures that I really loved, I, I, I love to go to places like dumps and, uh, demo, you know, buildings that were being demolished. And I just completely drawn to that kind of thing about decay and Mm. the marks that have been made that are then being erased or something. I'm just so drawn to that, but I stopped taking photo. I got quite depressed in my twenties, very depressed. And I stopped doing anything really creative for a long time. And um, it's only really been in the last, well, it's only really a few years since I started writing poetry again. And so the visual thing has kind of come on a few years later. And it was Instagram that really sparked it because uh, it was Terry who got me onto Instagram. He said, you must do it, you must do it. And, uh, and so I started posting pictures that I like, like, odd rusty type things and drain covers, you know, really bizarre things that Mm. I thought, well, no one's going to be interested in these. But actually there is a whole tribe on Instagram who love the kind of pictures that I do. And they take them, they take similar kind of, you know, similar kind of uh, images. And I am really interested in that thing about the the way that we, the way that we make marks on the world. I think that's what it is. I'm I'm interested in, really interested in graffiti Mm. and any marks that are made by people or any evidence of humanity, I suppose, that, that is then, you know, being eroded or changing. Um, so yeah, I, I I do take really quite odd pictures and very often, as you say, you know, very uh, close up detail. Um, but Mm. it's, it's something that it's, it is a discipline because I'm trying to get better and I've got a very good camera now and I think I'm getting a macro lens for my birthday, which I'm so excited about. Mm. (laughs) I can't wait I'm so excited so I've got a really excellent camera and uh I try to I use that rather than the phone now so I've kind of graduated from just using the iPhone Mm. to using a really good camera I've become so much better at editing um so yeah I Mm. just absolutely love it and I and I can't stop and I have to say you know people sort of dis Instagram and say it's a bit whatever. But it has really changed my life because it's given me the freedom to express myself in the way that feels right for me. It's without feeling ashamed of it mm. in some way or without, you know, devaluing my my work. Because that's what I was doing all the time. Like, oh nobody's going to be interested in this, you know. Um so and and actually what's happening now is as well that the visuals the, the, the imagery and the, the short films that I do, they're really starting to come together with the poetry in a in a really interesting way. So that's fantastic. So it all feels like it's just working finally because, <laughs> you know, after, after not yeah. doing it for so long, <laughs> 20 years really probably, I stopped myself doing anything creative, which was a really bad place to be. I, I just feel, yeah. you know, I've been liberated, which is fantastic. <laughs>
0: and people are really loving it i mean you get phenomenal engagement really on those photos as well that must feel really nice well, to have that kind of we positive all reaction. validation
1: but i must say i don't get anything like mm. the number of likes that instagram poets get <laughs> they get thousands you know and it's like i'm really happy if i get a hundred or so you know it's great because it is quite a it is quite a narrow field really and um but yeah, it's great. We need validation. Yeah. We need, it's like with writing, you need a reader, you know, and you need, you need. We're so we, needy, we, we, aren't we? Really? We're needy. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am very needy actually, but um, I'm, I'm less so now, but I have been <laughs> in the past. But but also it's important, isn't it? It's a, it's a connection thing. It's like we need to feel that we are, yeah. we're part of a tribe and that other people get us and it's fantastic. And I've made some really good friends on Instagram. I've got, um, and we kind of, there's a, an artist in, uh, Turkey and I absolutely love her work she does uh, fantastic line uh, art very simple but really beautiful and I've ordered some prints from her and you know her people have asked for my images as well which is just fantastic it's lovely it feels like a real community and I, I love it it is yeah no I I was just wondering as I was
0: listening to you just then and you, you touched a little bit on your short uh, video poems and everything which are really gorgeous as well um did that sort of happen around the same time as as you're um getting back into photography and no, that it it, it, actually, that, preempted,
1: that preempted all that preempted because mm. terry and i it was terry and i that started doing what we realized what we now know are poetry films we didn't know it was a good few years ago we uh we created one piece which was i A lot of them are based on found poems that we've done together. And we did one called uh, High Voltage Acts of Kindness, which was based on a found poem um, from um, adverts on the London Underground, actually. So they're just like random lines put stitched together in a different way to make it. It was very, it's quite dark and sinister. And it was just, Terry had this film of just a hob with a gas flame and uh, in the background with the noise of somebody making a cup of tea, you know, and it, it just worked putting the two things together. And we're so used to working on television ads, corporate videos. You know, we, we're used to doing film scripts and that. So it was kind of, it was just a natural extension. And we've always worked together as kind of artists as well as creatives, you know, as well as professional creatives. And mm. so we just, it was great. So we put that together. When we actually put it in for the the Aesthetica Art Prize, I think it was back in 2012. And it was shortlisted, which was amazing. So we got to go to the... Um, it was it's because they have a video and installe- uh, installation section uh, category, so we got to go to the the show and everything and the launch, which was fantastic. And then it was only really about a year later that I started realizing that poetry film was an actual thing, and that is now getting hugely popular, as you know.
0: Mm, definitely, it's it's really grown in
1: the last few Amazing, years. Amazingly, yeah. Um, not being something many people knew about. And again, or, it's, it's, really like, courses, it's really democratic. Yeah. Anyone can do it. You just need an iPhone or yeah. something that can take motion. Or you can do stills and, you know, just make a little film with stills. Mm. The
0: software's just so easy now to use and often quite free. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's very democratic, as you say. And I love um, author-made films in general as yeah. well. It's just something, it's like a sort of selfie it in really a way. Is. Yeah, the, that's
1: a great. It's like a moving selfie.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, it's just it's just wonderful to see how how authors interpret their own works in in a different format entirely. I just yeah, I'm absolutely addicted. Yeah, like? so am I. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay. So uh, I just want to chat a little bit about um, your day job with air quotes here, because you you found interesting ways to bring your poetry and your creativity into your day job. And when we were chatting about doing this podcast, you even mentioned using found poetry and sharing feedback. So I was wondering, how do you meld the two? How do they coexist?
1: Um, like- it's ne- I've never really thought about it consciously, but it just happens, obviously. And then- I don't know when it was, 2011, I went, I did a part-time MA in creative writing at Lancaster. And uh, and actually, I'd been quite jaded about my work and I was a bit like stuck in a rut. And um, it totally reinvigorated me. And I, it had the really unexpected consequence of making me enjoy my commercial work because I have to earn a living, it it made me enjoy it again. It's amazing. It's totally changed the way – it hasn't changed the way I write because I was writing pretty well anyway, having done it for so many years. But but it has definitely made my writing better. And, you know, Faye Weldon said, I think, she had the best training to be a writer because she was a copywriter first. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, with copy, you have to be really clear. You have to be compelling. You have to be above all human, I believe. And you have to be succinct so you need to think about every metaphor every word every punctuation mark just as you do when you're writing a poem um but obviously there are huge differences between the two as well because kind of you know when you're working on a piece of copy you're working to a very strict brief but when you're working on a poem it kind of leads you so it's the other way around um but yeah i uh recently we, when we were working with egremont i uh did a load of very in-depth interviews with um all the senior people and associates and employees and uh, they turned out to be amazing, fascinating conversations rather than interviews. And and I came to sort of, I thought, I've got a feedback, you know, I better do some bullet points and this, that and the other. And it just started to come out. I started to write like lines of what people had said. And I thought, wow, this is like a poem. And so I, I fed <laughs> it back to them. We fed it back to them in that form. I checked with Terry and he said, yeah, go for it. Because it felt like a bit of a risk because they were a new client. It was the first time we'd fed back anything to mm. them. And they absolutely loved it. It was great. They were really, really happy. And uh, they took it and they took it to their away days in New York. And then they workshopped it and they did more themselves. And then uh, a, a sort of cut down version of the poem became the script for their brand video because it was their words. I wasn't, we weren't putting our interpretation onto their words. It was their words. So it was them speaking, which mm-hmm. was lovely. So when we came to film the video, you know, we just it, we we filmed them in doing typical kind of what they do, and the the voiceover yeah. was uh, their words, which was lovely.
0: That's uh, so beautiful and so well, creative. We not, we working
1: <laughs> with them as well, they're great people, and but most people are when you get to know them. You know, if you get to know them, rather than having these kind of barriers of jargon and whatever in between you. So <laughs> as you know, so much. <laughs> No, and I find that often in the more
0: sort of corporate, you know, businesses or the B2B professional services, et cetera, there's actually a lot of secret poets there yes. and a lot of creative people. It's who so work true. There, well, in fact,
1: the the, the 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 one of the people we work with at Egremont is Natalie Gordon, who is, she's very senior there, but she's a novelist as well. And in fact, I met her on the creative writing MA. So that's how <laughs> we came to work together, which was amazing. And There are so many people who are writing novels or writing poetry. So many people, as you say, it's and when you get to know people well, that kind of comes out and it's lovely.
0: Yeah, no, it's fantastic, and it means that obviously they're 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 open to you also being creative and to seeing that as a as a positive thing. You know, um, which is a bonus. (laughs) Okay, so moving back to poetry, uh, um. I was wondering, what have you read lately that you love? Uh
1: Well, this is really timely. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Because it's my favourite poetry collection, and this is no word of a lie at the moment, uh, which I read a few months ago first, and I've been rereading ever since, is Ocean Vuong's uh, Night Sky with Exit Wounds. Um, It absolutely took my breath away, the whole collection. You know, I just, every single poem, every single poem I really loved or liked a lot you know, which is, which is quite unusual. And it's his first collection. And I was so glad to see him shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Award, award. and just to find out this morning that he won, which is yeah. I was <laughs> so happy about because I really think that collection deserved to win it. Um, it's unbelievably good. And mm. it's so full of loss and savagery and kind of brutality and love and tenderness and, you know, all of those things. But it's, it's, it's amazing. It just really did take my breath away. So Yeah, it does feel unlike
0: really anything else. I don't know, it just sort of stood yeah. out very um, it, sharply when I, yeah, when I read it. Here. Yeah, same here.
1: For me, it really did. I read another uh, another collection uh, very almost at the same time by Christian Wyman, which I really, really liked as well, called Every Riven Thing. I think that's an older collection, mm. but I love that as well. But this one, yeah, is my definitely my favourite recently.
0: Ah, oh, fantastic! Yeah, it's great that he's won yeah. as well. Um, yeah, interesting shortlist, obviously, which drew quite a lot of um, what's the word <laughs>
1: controversy? Yeah, I guess yeah. it, was, it was a lot of people were saying yeah. it was a bit safe, and there weren't enough. Uh, there was not enough diversity, obviously, apart from Ocean Wrong, you know. So yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's really great that he's won.
0: Definitely, I was very happy to have as well um, Jacqueline Safra on the. Yeah on the shortlist that made me very yes. happy to sort of see both her as as a poet and a person yeah. but also that it was a smaller press that felt like a you know something that yeah. pierced that sort of staleness I yeah. suppose um yeah or predictability that people were seeing in that shortlist um okay
1: cool um, would you like to read a poem for us? I would. <laughs> I'm going to read the one that you mentioned, "Mapping Isaacs. excellent Excellent, um, because it's really timely. Because I think, uh, in, thanks in part to David Attenborough and Blue Planet Two, um, the public concern over trash in the ocean is finally reached tipping point. It seems, and it, mm. things are really happening now. You know, it's been building for quite a few years. This, this, uh, this concern, this. You know, huge concern, and uh, so it really feels like things are going to happen. And also because, obviously, if it wasn't for you, Claire, it wouldn't have been written, (laughs) which is amazing. (laughs) And it was one of those poems. I have to confess, I wrote it really quickly uh, to to meet the deadline for the for the you know submission for that week's um, because I'd been away. I'd been for I'd been away for work. I'd been on a business trip, and I just thought I've got to write something. And and this um, Hyzex Island, which is a kind of man-made island made up of fishing nets uh, and buoys and all kind of debris um, that's believed to have come from the the tsunami um, in Japan in 2011. And and it was discovered by Captain Charles Moore in the middle of the Pacific garbage patch, which is that massive swirling mass of trash, which Mm -hmm. is about the size of Canada, I think, in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, he discovered it and he christened it Hyzex Island because that was the name that was stamped on the boys. Hyzex was obviously the name of the corporation. And I just, uh, he discovered the garbage patch as well. But uh, yeah, it started life on that course. And and I'd been thinking about it for about six months because it just absolutely captured my imagination with a kind of horrified Mm. fascination. The fact that there were life forms, you know, um, living on this man-made kind of trash island crabs and things like that and it felt kind of biblical to me you know that we were that this is what we were doing as it as the human race and uh, so I, I kind of looked at the Bible and looked at Genesis and I was looking at because I think you know the Bible is poetry and I was looking at the way that the rhythm of that as well at the same time. So I was, I was, yeah, and I, and I also looked at an interview with um, Captain Charles Moore. It was a diary entry, actually, and I looked at the way he'd written about how they discovered the island. And so it was inspired by those two things. So I shall read it now after that very lengthy introduction. <laughs> Here we go. On the first day, we viewed the island from above. A lightning flower flowing across the skin of the sea under the burning eye of the sun. On the second day, we approached it from the water, observing aspects of permanence. Three years and four months an island now, its shape shifting between evening and morning. On the third day, we walked it, measured its synthetic drumlins, its rope beaches, its tightly woven coves, weighed the miles of clouded water beneath our feet. Earth of a kind, sea of a kind. On the fourth day, we went down to meet this landmass in its own twilight. Ghost nets reached out to finger our hair, calling us to the mausoleum of the island's rusted underbelly. On the fifth day, we saw the ocean swarm, angelfish and rainbow runners twisting through drifts of polymer confetti that play act as food, feeding the very body of our island. The sixth day, we spent logging life, a shore crab clams, an albatross in flight off the Western Peninsula. We collected old eel traps, scraps like pastel-coloured shark's teeth with which to make a necklace for the children. We bowed our heads under the weight of that night's stars. And when the seventh dawn came, we saw our work was done. Mm.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Janet. Um, Yeah, it's lovely to hear it read, actually, as well, after having seen it on the page for so long. Thank you. Um, Thanks for giving me the opportunity to read it. (laughs) Well, not at all. Um, Yeah, so after that, I'm just wondering, what is next in the pipeline for you, poetry-wise? Anything
1: exciting coming up? I'm actually working on a collection. um, Yes. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I've been working on a collection for quite a long time, and I haven't really done much with it. But um, I'm now working on a collection of poetry and images together um because that mm. it really has come together now for me in in how that could work um a sp- particular type of images They're kind of a lot of them are sort of self-portraits a bit like I don't know if you know Vivian Meyer the mm. photographer um mm. sort of inspired by her stuff or in fact I don't know her stuff very well but lots of people have said they're like her stuff so um yeah so that's what's happening and I'm hoping to progress with that this year
0: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's great do Do you have some um favorite poets who do that kind of mixing of the two um, I'm sorry that's a bit
1: of oh that's really put me on the spot <laughs> because there in. are people who do it uh, but there's often actually poets who collaborate um God,
0: I mm, so it's nice that you're doing both yourself I suppose as a process it must be kind of do, do you find that it's sometimes the images that inspire the poem and then sometimes the other way around yes so it's and it's
1: really ergonomic- you know it really does echo the way that Terry and I work together because obviously he's more the visual person he's the art director and I'm the copywriter but we absolutely you know we're so interchangeable now having worked together for so long that sometimes he'll think of the words and I'll think of the image or you know or we just <laughs> we just absolutely yeah. spark off each other it's so quick now to happen you know um, but yeah, I can't think of any names. They completely deserted me. There's one for. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I can't remember her name. Sometimes these but things she happen. Does, she does photography <laughs> as well, and I cannot think of her name. And she's well known as well.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll probably come back to you. In yes, 10 I know. And
1: you'll I like, know. <laughs> Will. <laughs>
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that we've covered quite a lot of ground already. So um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast and for chatting. Well, (laughs) thanks so much for inviting Um, me. It's been great. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much and uh, goodbye everyone. And uh, hopefully you'll do another one of these next month. All right. Bye. Bye.